I call it arriving with the collective. That's the best way that I can that I can describe it. If I was to describe the colors, there's no words on this planet yet that have been made to not even any poetry that have been made about the colors that I saw. If I, I was thinking about it today, if I could describe where I was with the collective as one with source and all, it the color would be perfect peace. Like if I could make that a color. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. You're listening to Spirit Sisters. I'm your host, Karina Machado. Thank you for joining me today. I know you've waited a while for this episode and I'm really grateful for your patience. A lot is unfolding at the moment, a train of events, or maybe I'll call it a freight train of events, that started with my computer crashing a few weeks ago. Anyway, I'm getting back on track now and I'm thrilled to present this fantastic conversation, the first of a two-part interview with Kristen Chasson, who lives in Canada and, I'm very honoured to share, is telling us about her near-death experience publicly for the first time. Kristen's NDE took place in 2003 when she was receiving treatment for a rare form of cancer in the jaw. As you're about to hear, Kristen describes her NDE in exquisite detail, and in this conversation she shares about peeling away from her body like cheese from a pizza, travelling to a realm of indescribable colour, being at one with light beings and a form of consciousness she describes as the collective, her amazing life review, and so much more. Today, Kristen is training to become a death doula so that she can apply her unique skills and understanding in the field of -of end-of-life care. There's much more to this warm, wise and feisty woman. And when I asked her to contribute a short biography, she cleverly asked her friends to chime in. It turned out to be such a valuable exercise that she suggests we all do it. I like that idea. I'll put all of their responses in the show notes, but here's one of my favourites. Kristen is a tattooed, potion-making, nature-loving, spell-casting, matrix-glitching, animal-communicating, spirit-guiding, joke-telling, barefoot-walking, reiki-giving, vegan kitchen witch. Intrigued? Now, without further ado, here's my conversation with the wonderful Kristen Chazon, sharing her story publicly for the first time. Hello, Kristen, all the way from Canada. Welcome to Spirit Sisters. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) It's going to be amazing to speak to you today. We were chatting just before I pressed record and I was just reacquainting myself with the details of your absolutely beautiful NDE story. And it's not just beautiful, Mm. it's layered with so much wisdom and knowledge. (laughs) And I'm so excited to have you on the show today to share. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that this is the first time you've shared publicly. 
Yes, yes. I've spoken about um, what happened to me, uh, like on social media and such, and and often, but just in a very casual, like during my NDE, this is what I learned, what I came back with. Like, it's never been an actual recording of, of the story. I've told the full length, what's happened to it, to a small handful of people, but I live... I live what happened to me every day and, and that, you know, it always comes back to, okay, this happened and I have this frame of reference to how to live now. And so that, that has been reflected in conversations that I have with everybody and anybody actually. Mm. And I remember uh, you, yeah, when we, when we chatted initially for me to get the, the gist of your story, I remember you said that you described it as a real game changer and you said it's left you with gifts and abilities that you're still learning to master. So we're going to get into all of that. Today. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, and yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. Absolutely. It's been quite a ride to re- and learn and remember myself for sure. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, let's begin. Take us back to 2003 and the circumstances that led to your ND and everything that unfolded. All right. Okay. Well, it was, um, I know it was actually a rainy Thursday night. It was March 6, 2003. I was in San Diego, actually. Um, I was there on doctor's appointments. I had, um, it's called malignant ameloblastoma, which is a rare form of cancer in my jaw. And I was doing um, holistic treatments uh, through a clinic down uh, just across the border. And uh, I was very ill at the time and uh, along a lot of medication, despite all the holistic traditional um, ways that we were trying to do things, I, I was still having a very strong intervention with the Western medical. So I was chock-a-block full of narcotics and everything, um, just trying to manage the pain and such. And while I was at the clinic, the we did the normal checkup, everything was fine. And they decided to do an IV treatment with me um, that I had not had before. I read about it. I knew that there was lots of success with it. Um, So we did an IV infusion and I I seemed okay. I was unwell, of course, but I went back to, uh, it was a friend. It's like a family member of a friend that I was staying with down in San Diego because I lived in British Columbia in Canada at the time. And something wasn't right that night uh, with my body. And I, I was, did a meditation before our, our talk today to just kind of really re-experience that what happened and really connect to it. Cause I do remember it as though it was yesterday and it was in 2003, <laughs> but to actually really be consciously remembering. Um, I remember when I was watching uh, a movie I felt my hands starting to kind of clench really strongly as though, you know, we get a foot cramp and how your toes kind of curl. My hands started doing that and my toes started like splaying, like very painfully, really pushing out from my foot. Um, And I I couldn't control it, but it wasn't alarming. I just thought it was a long day. I'd had this new medication and I just really needed to go to bed. Um, So I did go to bed and I woke up the next day and I was not... I was not coherent, I would say. I could not get out of bed. I just listened to music all day long. I tried to drink. I tried at one point um, of putting salt 
uh, and sugar and some water just because I thought maybe I was dehydrated that if anyone's been dehydrated, they know that disoriented, um, sick, heavy, kind of buzzy head, cotton ear feeling. That's what I was feeling like. And I started to not be okay by the evening. Something I realized was wrong. Um, I was part of a very beautiful, uh, dedicated faith, uh, organized faith uh, religion at the time. And the lady I was staying with was going to a meeting that night. And I overheard her on the phone say to her daughter, oh, you're not well, so you'll stay home from the meeting. Somewhere in my mind that information got stored because now I was at this house in San Diego, not my country, <laughs> not feeling well um, and not knowing anyone except the lady that I was staying with and her daughter. And I decided to have a bath um, because I felt like maybe I was cold just because I felt like I was seizing up. Like I could physically feel my body just kind of like shutting down um, not knowing what it was, uh, still not really understanding that it would, was the medication. And I'll get to actually what the diagnosis was after um, it all went down. So I decided to have a bath, but I realized when I got in the bath, I couldn't get off my hands and knees in the bath. And I was sitting on my haunches and I was kind of frozen in this bath and thought, oh, geez, I think I better get up out of this bath before I can't literally physically get out of this bath. Um, so I did. And I knew at that moment that I needed to make a call because I was unable to open my hands at this point. They were completely like um, claws. And I remember being able to pull on a pajama bottoms. I couldn't get the buttons done up on my pajama top. So I just, I remember just very very efficiently just saying like, nope. <laughs> and just, I was getting ready for something. Like I was getting ready. I knew that I was going to be taking care of, like there'd be people, like I knew something was going down. So I made myself as accessible as possible with um, shirt with no buttons. I didn't, I actually had the thought, I don't care if they cut this because it was just an ugly, you know, pajama top that I'd brought with me. And I, made it to the kitchen. Now you have to also understand I was undergoing cancer treatments it, uh, for my jaw. Um, but during a surgery the previous spring, something had happened that I'd been partially paralyzed on my left side and I was just relearning how to walk with a brace. Uh, so I was trying to do all this with like managing crutches, and, like I, there was no way I was getting my brace on. So I just was using one crutch because I couldn't grab the other one with the other hand. It was, I, I'm sure if it had like Benny Hill music to it, it'd be comical looking back on it, how I was like lurching and thrusting across rooms, soaking wet and half dripping pajamas on off. Yeah. And I made it to the phone in the kitchen and I was able to. I couldn't figure out the number. I couldn't even figure out numbers. I, it, it didn't compute of what I was looking at. And I just hit the phone and I hit the redial and the redial took the phone call. Like this is a household. This is not cell phone days, right? 2003. Um, it took me back to Tiara, my friend's daughter, who she had called before she left for the meeting and Tiara answered. And all I could say was help me. That's all I could say. And I know that it was, it wasn't even my voice. It felt like it came from my throat instead of my face. I was starting to kind of, if you can imagine, peel apart. And I was recognizing that I was kind of peeling apart like, um, like 
I'm vegan, but cheese from a pizza, like my, my physical self was starting to very messily disconnect from myself self. And I had wherewithal to unlock the deadbolt on the door. And I remember saying, that's the last thing I have to do. Cause I, I couldn't like I, my hands were literally just useless and I was trying to unlock this deadbolt because I'm like, they're going to need a way to get in. And so I laid on the floor uh, in the kitchen and just waited for Tiara to come. Um, I had thrown up already in the sink because I had done that wonderful home remedy of Pedialyte, <laughs> salt water and sugar water, no down up. <laughs> so then I was like, well, that's not the problem, obviously, if I'm not dehydrated. And I could just hear... Tiara came in at the exact same time as the EMTs came in. She must have called the ambulance when she got off the phone with me. And they came in all at the same time. And I just felt a great relief that someone was there, but just completely, I was not out of my body at this point. I was very conscious of people around me, around my physical body, but I could feel them touching me and talking to me and like, putting pressure because they do a whole bunch of things because I was had slipped into a state of like theta like you're not really awake you're not really asleep but you can hear everything still going on and I felt at a point that in amongst all the chaos and commotion of uh, questions and I just couldn't I, I couldn't answer anything I couldn't talk I just felt a big exhale and I was eyes open and it just went really quiet I could see everything that was still going on. I'm laying on my side on the floor and I can see everything that's going on. But now all I'm focusing on was, oh, I just exhaled like a while ago and I have no, I don't feel like I need to inhale. And it was just this realization of like, oh, I've, I've actually let out my last breath, I think. And I and there was no urgency. It was like, oh no, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. It was just like, oh, I don't have to breathe. And then I realized, oh, I haven't blinked in a while. I, and I don't have to blink. That's And I was very conscious of the, the, the lack of need for anything biological to keep me conscious, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, it sounds like you were in this hyper-aware state. Oh, yeah, yeah. And still in my body because now I you know, in about 15 minutes from this event, I have a very strong reference of what is out of my body. So I knew that I was still in my body at that time. Um, but again, couldn't know. And they did something. They did something to me physically. And I, I'm pretty sure because they squeeze really, really hard right on your, your muscle right here. And it's, it's a thing that Spock does in Star Trek, and it literally just drops you. But it's like a physical smelling salts. So they had pushed their thumbs into my eye sockets. That's a very sensitive spot. They rub really, really, really hard with knuckles on your breastbone. Um, they pinch in here, pinch really, really hard in here. Your shoulder. Just any, yeah, anything shoulder to like, yeah. yeah, anything to try and shock your body awake. Um, and so they hit it. I don't know how many times it did. I was broken, fractured, bruised, like everything all my whole body. They broke afterwards. your sternum. I remember. Oh yeah. They me. broke my sternum. Yeah. hundred oh percent. My sternum was broken, but they, when they pinched me, I came back like fully in my body, fully conscious, still could not feel any 
pain, just that one thing was like a big, like, like a sucking feeling. And I was crying. I just said, help me, help me, help me. And they got me onto a gurney and they were wheeling me out as my friend who had been called now by her daughter as well, start came home. And I remember feeling almost apologetic. Like I felt bad that I was being such an imposition. Like this is like a family member of a friend in the same faith, which is, it was beautiful. It was beautiful that she even like had me there and did all this stuff. But I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to die on your watch. <laughs> so uh, I remember being put into the ambulance. It was raining very lightly it's san diego in march so it was beautiful it was beautiful and i could feel every piece of rain everywhere and i was very hyper aware of the air being something that i needed to breathe and i hadn't and i was recognizing that i didn't need to breathe and that was weird and i was having like all these thoughts of things while i'm crying and trying to figure out what is going on with my body i'm put in the back of the ambulance I couldn't tell you if it was 10 seconds or 10 minutes from the time that we left the house to the time that I died. I just know that we were in the ambulance. I was on my side again because they were worried about me choking because I had vomited. So I was on my side. They had a mask on me. I, he, I know that the, there was one EMT driving and there was one sitting in front of me and I remember him fussing and doing and noises and beeping and you know everything swinging as we're driving and no siren. And I did that breath thing again. I just completely exhaled a breath, like completely, like not just like from my lungs, but like from every, as if my whole body exhaled. And I thought, oh, I've been here before. I felt this before. I remember it, it was very important that I remembered at that moment. I'm like, you've done this before. And again, with the blinking, it was just an absolute disconnect of things that I have always up to that minute been told I needed to have to live <laughs> and the things that <laughs> weren't happening. And I was very much still alive. So it was very uh, conflicting in my brain in those few seconds. <laughs> And I heard, it felt like the time that I had that last exhale and the time that I heard the EMT say, pull over, she's coded, she's, she's, she has no pulse. It felt like it was an eternity, but it felt like it was a split second at the same time, because from that last exhale to when he said it, um, it had been three minutes that he had been working on me and trying to revive me. Um, so in that time, I was just completely unconscious, we'll say. The EMT pulled over on the highway, 7.30 at night, six lanes of traffic in San Diego, blocked off two lanes of traffic on the freeway, jumped out and jumped into the back of the ambulance. Now, what is interesting about that part of my story is that I was, I was clinically dead for three minutes when that happened. I could see, I could see the EMT flipping me over. I could see 
the EMT, I could see everything. I could see all at once the outside of the ambulance, the inside of the ambulance, the, from my point of view, from the EMT's point of view, like I could see absolutely everything that was happening. I saw him get out. I saw him walk around. I saw him slip his hand on the handle one time and then open it the second time. Like everything I could see, but I was dead. It was... I know now that that was my first out of body experience because I was everywhere. I could see everything. I, I didn't see, it's funny because I couldn't see my own body. I didn't look down on myself. I could just see everything that was happening to me. I, it's like, I didn't even identify with that as my body in that moment. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And he said, she's been coded for three minutes. We have no pulse that I could feel them at that point, trying things on me again, but it was, I was here feeling them down there. It was a very disconnected experience. And they decided to, I heard them say, get the paddles, the paddles, uh, electro paddles. And I saw him reach. I saw him slam it down. I saw him unzip it, warm it up. And the second that thing charged up and hit me with that electricity, I was gone. Like I, I was no longer human. I was no longer Christian. I rocketed out of the earth stratosphere, atmosphere, universe. I went as far as there was to go and more. It was so fast. It was so fast. There was no like tunnel and light. It was just, I was there and now I'm here, but I, with a very strong awareness of what I had been gone. I remember that sucking feeling and that's what it was. It was just like a, like that was, that was the best way to describe it. When you and I were talking about when you're walking down the stairs at, in the dark and you, that last step you miss and it's like a, in your, in your whole body reacts to it. That's what it felt like just like a <laughs> that's a great way to describe it thank yeah. you yeah <laughs> i've knocked your breath out of you but everywhere in your body because you feel that everywhere you almost pee your pants and your hair stands up like yeah. every part of your body was like oh <laughs> and uh when i i call it arriving with the collective that's the best way that i can that i can describe it i was if i was to describe the colors there's no words on this planet yet that have been made to not even any poetry that have been made about the colors that I saw. If I, I was thinking about it today, if I could describe where I was with the collective as one with source and all it, the color would be perfect peace. Like if I could make that a color Oh, that gives me goosebumps. That's so Honestly, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's, if I tried to say like pinks and blues and golds, it, it's no, that's, there was no, there was no earth, there was no sky, there was no terrestrial landmarks. It was just perfect. It was all I needed. It was all I needed. And the minute I realized I was no longer my body at all. 
at the exact same second, I remembered you never were only your body. It was such a profound <laughs> like thing that kind of like a struck me like a, oh my great Scott, you know, but at the same time being like, well, duh, <laughs> like it was, it was a very, <laughs> yeah, I literally had that um, vibration of like, huh? <laughs> like, of course you forgot that you're so silly. Um, and I think that stands true with anyone who's had a, a, either a spiritually transformative experience or a near-death experience is that once you have a knowledge, a working wisdom knowledge of the separation of body and soul, whew, there is nothing that anyone can tell you different about anything. No dogma, no opinion, no belief, no hope, no thoughts on the matter. If you know, you know. And I know that I am not my body. I have a vessel and I had been blessed with a vessel in this, on this um, plane. Um, and when I was with the collective and I was very well aware that I am one with them, they are one with me. It's not that there was a lack of separation. It was complete lack of even the concept of separation even existing. God. There was absolutely no difference except that I knew that I was still me that I was still Kristen but that what I am made of is exactly the same as anyone else any animal too like that was a huge part of my um, NDE was that recognizing that there is no difference like with the souls the souls are the souls are the energy of the source of the love it's just a matter of what vessel they're coming to this you know this schoolyard with this time around right and uh the the collective were energy columns I, I i still struggle to find the words you know i watched that movie souls it was a disney pixar movie and when the jerry's popped up like out of the ground i was like whoa that kind of gave me like little shivers and because they were they, but not as detailed they were very shrouded imagine if you had like a a basketball or a large ball volleyball and like draped like the most gorgeous silk fabric something over it and it was just you the shape was there but it was very fluid um, but very individual but all one and so I am there knowing that I'm no longer my body with this collective knowing that and remembering <laughs> clearly that I am one. Um, we started to do a life review for myself. Um, and it was, there was two, when I say darker, I don't mean darker. I mean like a deeper color of the, the vibration that I was in. It, and they stood taller behind me. There was two of them and they held me. They didn't stand there was no impending doom feeling knowing like I was told like okay we're going to be doing this now and it was not words it was not hearing it it was a vibration it was something that I understood without having to have words and I didn't feel any uh, trepidation I didn't feel like scared or like I was gonna be embarrassed or anything it was simply very, very clearly communicated to me that the life review is to simply see how it could be done better mm. collectively, how we could have done better for myself. It wasn't to celebrate. It wasn't to judge. It was simply to observe. 
uh, with loving support, hundred percent loving support. I, I felt love. There is love and there's so many kinds of love, but the love that I found and know exists in every single person now because of what happened to me is I seek it. I seek it and I, and I attract it. Um, there's many different kinds of love for sure on earth. The kind of love that I know is greater than any human animal, their ability to show it currently in these, in this system is love of source. Now I call it source. Like everyone's ND is going to be different, right? Some people will see their religious figures. Some people will see different things. I didn't meet anyone that I was familiar with. Like I didn't see my grandma. I didn't see, you know, people that I recognize. I just knew everybody. I knew everybody was there. I was with all souls that ever were. I was with all souls of the pieces that are them that are remaining and watching over their pieces here in earth. I was with all souls from that will come to be. <laughs> um, I didn't need like a, a welcoming. I was, I had no fear. So I, I, I didn't have like a welcoming party, I guess, like people I don't, I didn't know were not there. They were not there. And when we started my life review, it was started very, very fast. And I had the two larger um, energies behind me, holding me. And I was watching it. It was like a big screen, but it wasn't a movie. It was like everything. And I knew that I wasn't watching with my eyes that I was literally experiencing everything again. It, completely on every single cellular level imagine like the tiniest thing that you know and then smaller than that is how I was experiencing um, my life review it's funny because I was going so fast that was the first time that I actually had like a human feeling about it like a human opinion I guess about what was going on because I wanted it to go slower I wanted my life review to go slower I actually felt a little frantic like I want it go slower. I want to like, it's, it's not just the thing, bad things that you want to do. You want to learn from, but there's the beautiful times that I wanted to re-experience because I recognize I was experiencing it again. I wasn't just like watching it. There was such a gentle, a gentle su support of every piece of source energy that was there. It was just so pure and so easy and so natural. It was literally the most natural state that we are meant to be in is in that vibration of love. hundred percent. I know that hundred percent and everything was going fast. And I was feeling a little anxious at this point of what I was seeing just because it was so fast. It, um, the best thing I could describe is when watching a movie and fast, but like super fast forward, like it's just going and you're <laughs> trying to keep up with it. And, and I just felt like a, like a, a laying of like a, an energy cloak almost, but like, it was almost like both of them went like that on my, on my shoulders. And when they did that, it, everything slowed, 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 slowed to real time. And I was Kristen and I was in this experience, but I was having a very human reaction to what I was seeing. And it was my children. It was my son at the time was three. I'm a single mom. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he was three and 
Atea was six, uh, my little star babies. <laughs> and it wasn't that they're running towards me. Like I said, there was no landscape, but it was just everything that I recognize them as. Atea is my little sunshine curly blonde hair my son with his brown mocha skin and they were just laughing running together but not towards me they were just in pure joy and I felt so sad it was all the beautiful all the beautiful everything that I knew that was perfect where I was I still felt sad because I thought who's going to take care of them who is possibly going to love them like I love them. And with that realization, I just felt this thunder vibration, but not an angry, but just very firm on my left side. It was almost like the left side um, energy column was like mine. Like that's my, that's my person who watches over me. That's like the biggest piece of me that's still waiting up there for me. That was very knowledgeable of like, no, we're not ready um, to be here. And they just said without words, <laughs> not yet. Very clearly. And again, when I got there, I was like, this is incredible, but of course it is. At the same time, it was not yet. And it was like, oh no, but of course it's not. And I, that step again, it was backwards this time. I was thrown. I was not, I was not returned to my body. I was not, <laughs> I was not, I did not slowly creep back and I did not try to fit back into my body. I've heard thousands of experiences I was like slam dunked back into my body so hard so hard I literally felt my everything that I had been squished and smashed as hard as it could back to fit into back into this body and I woke up ex like came conscious um, vomiting seizures, like off the table seizures. Now the fire truck had been called and there was fire, fire truck there as well. And so firemen are holding me down. The EMT peoples are holding me down. I'm vomiting and bleeding out of every, <laughs> everything just literally, it was probably the messiest landing. I'm not sure who's in charge of that, but their department should definitely get <laughs> One star on Yelp <laughs> from me. <laughs> the returns department, it was a no-go. <laughs> Not at all. I, of course, now I am, everyone is going all different directions. I am still, I'm in my body, but I can't feel anything still. Like I, I'm still in and out and in and out. I, all I know is that I am, I'm observing my body have a complete shutdown. Like I didn't feel like, oh my God, I'm so uncomfortable throwing up or, oh my gosh, I peed my pants or, oh my God, like none of that. I was just like, oh, like this is rough for this person. <laughs> like it's, it's, um, you hang in there. <laughs> like it was a very obs observational, um, experience for me to just be in my body physically, but still have no sensation of my body. That's fascinating, Kristen. Yeah. It's like the the string cheese is now trying to like go back together and it's never, it doesn't ever feel perfect. Cause I'm not the same person now that I was before I died for sure. 
100% not. <laughs> 100% not. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Gosh. Well, before we go on to the next part of your story, mm-hmm. if it's all right, if I can just mm-hmm. um, un- unpick and unpack just a few of Please these. Please do. Yeah, because yes. I've been yeah. making some notes as you're talking. Mm-hmm. Gosh, there's so much. I mean, we could spend hours. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, I get, yeah, it goes on. But yeah, it's pretty oh, yeah. well. Please ask Fantastic. away. <laughs> so one of the first things I've noted down here is just about time and so you know as you as you articulated so beautifully these experiences are a paradox and Mm -hmm. yeah and time seems to be one of them so you what could have been a split second also could have been eternity as as you said Mm -hmm. so I was wondering just what your understanding of time is following your experience or did you have any understanding of the concept of time when you were in the collective or with the collective Okay, that's a really good question. Um, my concept of time now is that it doesn't exist. It's a man-made cons- construct, a hundred percent. Even the fact that you and I are trying to coordinate phone calls, like you're in Australia, I'm in Canada. Like, I'm like time, it's just a mess. <laughs> so, and of course, but we need to do abide by the rules, you know, of society with that. But when I was with the collective, there was no time. There was no time I had always been there. It was, it, it's like, I never had left. It's I, I had always been there. I just was in a body for a while, but I was always there. So the time spent with collective did not have a, it was always, and I know that like, does that make sense? Yes, it, it, no, it's not it's, like that. It was forever. It was just, it always was. It always will be. That's the only word that I can use to describe it is that it was always, um, from the time that I died, like, I know that when they were still working on me and they said I was coded, like I was clinically dead, that is documented. That is all that happened, but I was still very much like present in the area, like the, the ambulance. It was more of an, I would consider that more of like an out of body from that time to the time that they paddled me. I went to the collective and I actually do this because it's like as if it's a physical place. I, you know, I went, I went to the collective and then when I came back, it was 36 seconds. So what seemed like an eternity and always and forever, um, even when they were playing my life review, I knew it was in fast forward, but there was no like start and finish time that was expected. Uh, so the time that I died to the time that I regained consciousness or as proof of life, they say, um, was 36 seconds. So it was three minutes and 36 seconds. And yet it was an eternity. Oh, <laughs> it could have been, like I said, it could have been a millennia and it could have been three seconds. Like I had no idea and I wasn't concerned with it. Yeah. I, it it wasn't, I didn't, ha- I didn't carry any burdens with me. I didn't carry any construct. I didn't carry any paradigms, belief. Like it was all the same. Like everything was just like, oh, it was like, I think someone called it like Ram Das actually once said it was like, death is like taking off a shoe that fit too tight. Mm. Like it just um, it was just free without any like, yay, I'm free. It was just like, well, of course I'm free. Like Mm. that is my natural state. Yeah. Like it wasn't, there was not a lot of like, woohoo, hallelujah. It was just a perfect understanding of what I am, who I am, where I am, 
when I am. Mm, okay, that's that's wonderful. Thank you. Going to your life review now. I I've mm. studied near death experiences for a few years now. One of the most amazing aspects <laughs> is the life review. It's just yes, what a thing to experience. So. You were seeing, well, it wasn't just seeing, as you said, you were Mm re-experiencing everything from every level of your being, from the most minute cell. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, trying to grasp that is just, yeah, it's mind-boggling and just incredible. But Mm -hmm. what I wanted to ask you, were you experiencing everything, you know, in that, like you hear people talk about their life review and they start seeing themselves being born or they might even see quote unquote past lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Were you experiencing all of that? What did you, and and is there anything that stands out from what you experience, re-experience? Let's see. Yeah. When, when my life review was going, it was because it was so fast. It was only for me, it was only this life that I had lived but it was also because my kids were involved at the end. Like there was just a sense of like, this is your life review to now. And this is like your life review, your life preview as well. Like it was an all in one. Definitely some highlights are when I've been kind to people, when I've been kind to people. Um, and it's funny because if you see like, Remember, you know, in movies when they have like old newspaper clipping machines and they go, and then you can stop it and then you can go. Yeah. Okay. That's what it was like. It was like, and then it would stop and then stop. Um, So the times that it stopped, it was very clear. And it wasn't again, like a scene, like, like a frozen scene in time. It was just like a feeling of like, oh, that vibration. Yeah, it was, it was just time. Oh, that's interesting. It's just times when what I, how I was acting was in line and aligned with love. That's what was the important part for them. Hmm. Every time I talk about it, something else comes. So you were with, okay, all the, this is something amazing that you said as well. So you Mm. were with all the souls that ever were Mm-hmm. that are or will come mm-hmm. to be which which makes sense if we think that there is no time so there's just everything now so you yes. were there you were there mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. something that you said about that was uh and you were with the pieces of the soul that are having an earth life so yes. so that makes makes me think of the idea of the oversoul Mm-hmm. A part of us there again, which makes sense with what you said, because you you always were there. You always were. Oh there. yeah. So you felt that oh familiarity. yeah. Absolutely. Can you thank you so that much and- for understanding yeah. what I was saying? <laughs> you <laughs> paraphrased it perfectly. It is. It, it was. Uh, there was not like a question, like from from the collective. It wasn't like, well, how is how am I doing? How am I doing? It was like every every soul that was there knew exactly what was going on they they knew me they knew them they knew it was it wasn't just like a milling around it was a very fluid co-creating everything like what you're experiencing there sitting at 11 a.m now in the morning everyone you me everyone is working with you to co-create your day with you wow it, it was an absolute, 
I tell you that knowing that has saved me like hating people and like it being angry at people because I'm just like, it is just a huge responsibility to myself because I am, I know for sure I am only in charge of my reality. <laughs> I, I know that. And I have a legion, a legion of every soul standing behind me cheering for me because I am a piece of them and they do not want to see me not succeed. And that is the case for all of us then, right? So we uh -huh. are all interconnected and a hundred percent, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I can't, I wish there was more words to be able to say a hundred percent, 110 <laughs> percent. It is, it is when there, no one is alone. No one is alone. No one is alone for anything that they are facing. Yes, there are soul contracts. Yes, there are reasons that people come. Yes, there are. This is a literal school ground for us to learn from. And some of us may have to do it many times, but there is always a piece of us. Like I think of it as like your higher consciousness, your higher self. Like there, are, if you are the voice in your head, then who is the one listening? Like there's all those questions that come from it that I'm like, I know, <laughs> I know <laughs> it's source energy. It's, it's the piece of, it's the piece of source that makes you you and me me but it's still from the same source and it's it's um it's nice it's a nice it's nice to know that I don't have to get wrapped up and absorbed in other people's creating because I have my own to worry about and I know that whatever path they're taking it's because that that's what's going to be what needs to happen for mm. them and know that I have the ability to create what I want for me and yeah yeah, it reminds me of what another near-death experiencer said, and now I actually, I listened to so many that I cannot remember who it was, but <laughs> he said his understanding was, you can't muck this thing up. Right? <laughs> I know. That's so true. Like, like my friend Tara and I, we talk all the time about like, no, it's for a reason. Like, the, you know, you literally can't mess it up because you, whatever is happening is what's supposed to be happening. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then when we do talk about, you know, the, the experience of the life review and the understanding that you had that, um, that, you know, we are all interconnected and, and reviewing the moments of kindness and understanding that that's what matters. Mm. Who, who's orchestrating this? Who's orchestrating this? Do you have any idea? Or um, it's probably not a who, is it? <laughs> no, no. It's, yeah. it, and it's interesting that the humans, we humans in this form have had put like labels and words on what it could be, right? Some people call it God, some people call it source, some people call it universe, some people call it Allah, some people call it Gaia, whatever, but it is a benevolent, loving, divine, beautiful, creative, powerful source of energy and wisdom that we all have access to tap into. I don't need to die now to tap into that. And with the collective, like when I talk about the souls that I was with everywhere that were everything as was I, um, there were people like, I didn't feel like I was the new guy there, but I, I also knew that there were, I would call them ascended masters now um, who were, leading me guiding me 
um, walking back home with me. Mm. Um, and so I don't know who their boss is, but <laughs> I, uh, I just, I just knew without a doubt that, that there is collective of divine source wisdom of, and love. There was, there was no, there's no question. I still, even after that, like when I came out of that and I was sent home on an airplane just a few days later by myself, completely wingy, I wasn't about a month. I took me about a month to kind of get my groundings. I went into complete shock. People were coming to pray over me, like with my faith, um, they would like weird things started happening. Like people, whenever they'd try to pray, they'd get big gushing nosebleeds in my presence, like very like <laughs> energetically interference things. I felt like I was short circuited. Like I couldn't think I couldn't understand anything, but love. I didn't like, I was, I couldn't watch, you know, anything that was, harmful like I couldn't understand the animals like why people were hurting the animals and um I left my religion I left my religion because I not that it was wrong or bad it was beautiful and educational and I am so grateful it sent me on you know a 17 18 year journey of studying all religions and all esoteric quantum physics metaphysical um space <laughs> um near death afterlife it all because of the path that they led me but because of the way that they were teaching what happens when we die and the judgment and all that i know that that's not true now i couldn't abide by that and I everyone kind of felt like I had you know left them in the cold because they had been so kind to me during my treatments and paying for things and like really super generous with my family but I just once you know you know yeah. you died you, like you said you can't make it up you, it's yeah and Kristen uh, are you happy to say that that was the Jehovah's Witnesses faith Yes. You're okay yeah. with yep, saying that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. I and honestly to this day, I it is anything I ever need to know about the Bible, which I'm a very I consider myself a student, a theocratic student of all religions, but specifically the Christian Bible, they know their stuff. <laughs> there was and they encouraged looking into other faiths and they encouraged like secular versus theocratic. Um and some of the things that they were teaching were bang on from what I know now. And some of the things that were fundamental are not the truth um, about source and God and judgment and souls. And um, they got the paradise stuff, right? And how it feels, but the methods <laughs> are a little bit dogmatic. So, Well, you've yeah. touched on some of the after effects of your NDE. And I, I really mm. want to want you to go into those in more detail. But before you do, I just want to come back to one thing in your in your NDE in the life review specifically so mm -hmm. it, you were seeing everything very fast as you said like it was almost too fast but then yeah. one moment slowed down and it became mm -hmm. this moment that obviously you were intended that the being the two powerful beings behind you that were lovingly supporting you wanted you to take note and that was you know yes. the moment you saw your children and that mm -hmm. was that love now I've listening to NDEs I've gathered that one of the things or maybe the only thing that propels us back 
is love for someone left behind or a feeling of love. And I just wondered if you could talk about that in terms of your experience. It's just because I get you said that love is our pure love is our state, our natural state. Mm-hmm. So it would seem quite simple that we're here on earth, we're intended to love, we have to love. And mm-hmm. that's what brought you back, your love for your children. Who's going to love them like I love them? And there you are, you're back. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What can you say about love as, as the link to our natural state? Oh, my goodness. You have 10 hours? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you better write love. that book you mentioned. <laughs> I know. I love love. Um, let's see. My connection to love is particularly during my NDE. Um, because like I said, that was perfect love without any need, not even that there is a comparison to, it was just, that's all you would ever need. That is the benchmark that eternal love, cosmic love, heaven, love, nirvana, love, whatever you want to call it, that love and peace is where it starts. And then it trickles down through all the people experiencing life as they do. I know it is the answer to any question that will be asked. I know it is always the right answer. Like, honestly, if we just stopped and thought, what is the most loving thing to do before you act, before you speak, will this bring peace like I it's it's a foreign concept to have that rather than how am I going to get what I want or how am I gonna you know rise above the rest of them it's like how can I show love that would change the world it would change the world um I have a love for animals now I've always loved animals I only kind of I didn't really like pets like I was but now I have an affection for animals. Being loving towards people who don't seem very lovable. <laughs> you can do that? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Can, and do you do that by taking that pause and asking yourself those questions? What is the most loving thing to do? Will this bring peace? Is that how you find a way to be loving towards unloving people? Yeah, for sure. And And knowing that it's just because they're lacking love, like people struggle and are angry and are addicted and they are sad and they are, you know, all these emotions that are anything but love, like love will fix those. And so me just being caustic and jaded and cruel, just because I have this knowledge be like, oh, I've had real love and you're not it to be like, oh, like you're missing it. It's almost like I was sent back also to be like here, like take some of this, like you need some of this. I have lots, trust me. And if you don't understand the connection that you already have, and you're just standing in your own way to that same kind of love, you can have some of mine for now. Um, And so that's why, yeah, I think my friends would probably describe me as like kind and loving and um, a safe space because I, I do feel like I carry like a a heavenly wisdom that just kind of, I live, I do my best to live. Oh, I made some doozy mistakes though along the way. It wasn't instantaneous. There was definitely some things that were instant, 
um, that I knew, like I had to get retaught in therapy, how to actually physically identify emotions <laughs> that weren't love, like anger and frustration and annoyance and things like that, because I had been short circuited, but the love in the collective is, it's what we could only, on, only hope to strive for and doing small pieces each day, like small pieces each day. And sometimes you have to choose yourself to love when someone is being unlovable. And that's okay because I got one body, this experience, and I know that I have a purpose and it is to be kind and be loving. And, and for me, that's not just a human animals, it's to non-human animals as well. Were you prior to the experience, would you have described yourself as, or, or, or looking back, were you a kind person then? I mean, I can see that you've got this, these, this beautiful kindness in your eyes, but what, what difference would you say there was between Kristen prior to the NDE and after? Oh, geez. Um, Kristen before, I'd probably say a little bit more flaky. <laughs> I didn't really commit to things. I always had big ideas, but was always scared to follow through. And I don't mean like, oh, I'm going to fail. Just be like, oh, I'm afraid to start <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. I, I know that I was always kind. I know that that's who I am. As you know, my mom would say, you were such a sweet natured child, you know, like, um, um, but it just feels like it was a light switch or a nitrous booster <laughs> to the kind of person that I already was. Um, and it took me a while, like some things like for instant, like understanding, like, oh, I'm not my body. Like that was a huge, <laughs> huge revelation. And it's literally over the years, things as I get new downloads, because I do have like this channel now that I can access wisdom or it's, it says you're going to have this wisdom whether you ask for it or not. And I just ask for things to come gently in my life, but over the years, like I've gained wisdom and I have insight and I realize that I have gifts and I have here, they'd be called like powers, but they're not powers. Everyone has them. It just, I am definitely not religious. I, I have an absolute, like, I've always been like against something like against racism, against sexism, against like, I was always very like, no, like we don't do that here. I was raised, my mom was a Reiki master. Like I, I was raised by someone who was woke. <laughs> so uh -huh. um, I, you know, I had a very strong understanding of, of life and things in that um, spiritual energetic side. After that, I became very vocal and that some, that took years. I did go through like a divorce. I went through like an eating disorder flare up from my teenage. Like I was like, I was all over the place for a while, just trying to assimilate what had happened. Um, but it saved my life because I realized, okay, I have this body. <laughs> I got a purpose. I got one body. I better start honoring this vessel that was given to me. So it, yeah, it healed my eating disorder that I had. I don't lay claim to it. The eating disorder that I beat, <laughs> I'll call it that. Um, definitely I'm vegan now, like not even just like vegan. I'm like hardcore vegan, like activist advocate cater like do um meals and things for businesses and because i am very against animal exploitation because i have been with the souls of the animals and they don't want to be harmed 
And it's not just like me saying, oh, animals are sweet. Like, let's not harm them. I'm like, oh no, like they, they know. <laughs> like there's pieces of them up there suffering. Like you can't do that. And so I like to precurse whenever I have an opinion about something like, well, when I died, this is what I learned. <laughs> and so anything else you say moving forward is probably not going to change my mind because I've been there. Yes. And I don't knowledge. have knowledge. Yeah. That ultimate yeah knowledge. And I'm not a yeah, I'm not afraid of death. Mm-mm. Not afraid of death at all. I'm currently um, in finances as well as I have one more module left on my death doula end of life care specialist certification. Because I have transitioned from body to soul back to body, I do have that working experience. Um, and with my finances, um, being able to actually help people because a lot of people, like you said, they hang on, they want to stick around, they, they come back for love. And some people don't want to leave because there's things unsaid or, un, you know, undone. And I can actually professionally help people do that now. Because I, I the transition from, well, the transition from soul into body with a birth doula, right? <laughs> that is a huge transition that happens as just as equally incredible of the transformation is when our body goes back to being our soul when our physical body dies and being able to be someone qualified to facilitate that I never in a million years would have thought that would be something but it's because I have died and I have sat vigil and I have walked um, loved ones through to the other side that now in the faith that I was in that would be no (laughs) with with the I guess if I can be blunt, I just don't put up with as much crap anymore. If you're not my taste, then vibe on, you know, like I, I did a huge study for the last, you know, almost 20 years of bettering myself and hit some bumps along the way. But I know that I'm not going to be the same person a year from now that I am today. And I'm pretty happy with who I am today. (laughs) So self-love is a big piece of the love that we're here to embody and to share. Yeah. Oh, huge, huge. Absolutely. Because imagine trying to teach people when you're just, you have nothing to give yourself. Like it's literally that old saying, like trying to give from an empty bucket. Mm. Like it, it won't stay true to people if you're not living it authentically yourself. And I really, it affected me. Like it affected me. And, and I'm glad it did. Um, Eckhart Tolle says that the greatest thing is to die before you die. So you know that there's no fear of death at all. And I am one of those people fortunate enough to have died before we died. So I can get on with living. And I know that I die. It's not the end. I know it's not. And that's where we're going to leave part one today. Tune in next time to hear Kristen recount the astonishing after effects of her near-death experience, which included an all-encompassing empathy, which left her able to communicate with trees and animals. She laughingly says she woke up like Dr. Doolittle. We'll also learn about how the collective taught Kristen to observe, not absorb another's emotions, and how the NDE impacted her bone cancer. She'll also share the wisdom of her ongoing downloads from the collective plus a lot more. You won't want to miss it, so join us again soon for part two of my conversation with near-death experiencer Kristen Chazon. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. 
In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Thank you.